Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground. Alternative activist empowerment talk radio. Speaking truth to our and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro. That's nothing. What were you before the white man means you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? As you honor our forefathers and foremothers, I urge you to honor our living heroes. When you honor the names of Nat Turner, Harriet Tubman, and Malcolm X, I urge you to honor the names of Geronimo Gijaga, Sundiata Akoli, Matulu Shakur, and Mumia Abu-Jamal. America's chickens! Coming home to roost. Violence begets violence. Hatred begets hatred. And terrorism begets terrorism. Our common ground speaking truth to power and ourselves. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Thank you for being with us. Stay tuned. We do have a very concrete police state here in the United States. Police brutality cases on the rise since 9-11 is disturbing and alarming at the same time. Federal prosecutors are targeting a rising number of law enforcement officers for alleged brutality. Sergeant John Miller and officers David Carey, Dennis Spaulding, and Jason Zulo. Charges include conspiracy against rights, excessive force, false arrest, and obstruction of justice. The officers abuse their positions of authority to deprive people of their constitutional rights under color of law. In simple terms, they behave like bullies with badges. The heightened prosecutions come as the nation's largest police union fears that agencies are dropping standards to fill thousands of vacancies and scrimping on training. It was five years ago this week that off-duty and drunk Chicago police officer Anthony Abadi Jr. went off on the 125-pound bartender who had refused to serve him any more alcohol. Not surprisingly, federal records show the vast majority of police brutality cases referred by investigators are not prosecuted. 
lots of police departments across the country have scrambled to fill vacancies. Does it look like he... Boom, boom, and now to the ground he goes. The recruiting effort, which often features cash bonuses, has intensified since 9-11 because many police recruits have been drawn to military service. The good officers know who the bad officers are. Veteran LAPD officers in trouble with the law. 48-year-old Jeffrey Quinton is under arrest accused of stealing from a luxury hotel in Laguna Beach where he worked while off duty. A deputy on the other side of the law tonight and out of a job, too. He's accused of using excessive force. Officers are supposed to be the peacekeepers, and in fact, they are the hellraisers. This is what happened to Kelly Thomas. Strangers who watched helpless say the violent after effects that you see here happened at the hands of six Fullerton, California police officers. We must continue to unite and fight the brutality in numbers. A handicapped teenager named Jesse Kersey was stopped by police. Someone the teenager who also had a speech impediment tried to explain his condition to the officer, Willie Hooper. Well, the cops thought that he was being disrespected by Kersey. And in fact, court papers go on to explain that a neighbor who saw this dispute
Ten cents for some lemonade, guys. Two more? Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much for your business. Thank you. Good afternoon. Leave these people alone. I'm sorry, you're you under arrest. Leave these people alone. I am getting arrested for selling my. You're not thirsty. 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 You're if the bubble touches me, I'm going to be arrested for assault. Do you understand me? Bubble. Yes, that's right. It's a deliberate act on your behalf. I'm going to arrest you. Do you understand me? Right. You're going to be in handcuffs. All right? You either knock it off with the bubble, you touch me with that bubble, you're going into custody. Right? I'm, I'm putting it away. Right. Thank you. But I would also like to know. You want to be? Get your ID handy. Do you have your ID? Because I'll explain something to you. In the state of Arkansas, here, you make sure you get the name. The best number. State of Arkansas. Get out of my garage. No. Not welcome on my property. You want to beat the police? Throw that on me or that other officer. And it gets in her eyes. It's a detergent. You'll be going into custody. I understand. Do we understand that. each other? I do. I and put it away. I am doing that. At this moment. Right. I really appreciate Discussion's it. over. Can you get off my property? I need your ID. I'm standing in my garage. Yes, sir, you are. You are violating my Fourth Amendment. Show me a search warrant. I'll have no, you're in my property. No, no, no. You're not Contact welcome here. You. You're not so I need your driver's license. I need some form of ID. I just did. I just did. I you got what you deserve. You got my respect. Right? I don't feel very That's terrible. Trying to keep you My heart's Right? Very ample me. For what? Am I under arrest? I'm under arrest. Give me the board now. You've been warned. I want the board now. I am a legal citizen of the Give me the board. Give me, you've been warned. Let go. Let go of the board. You give it to me, I'll smack your yeah, I don't have a problem. Shut your mouth, I'm talking. Eric, shut up. You've been warned. I warned you last time. Did you skateboard down High Street? Yes. No, okay, fine. Where are you from? Sit down! I gave you a warning, yes or no? Did I not give you a warning? You gave me a warning, but okay. I have a right in the United States. I know my right. I don't give it. I don't give it shit. Sit down, I'm not a dude! You're damn right you're calling your mother. Give me the board. Give me the board. How do I get it back? Have your parents come down and pick it up. Does it cost money? No, it doesn't. You don't take my skateboard. I didn't do anything. Do you see this? Yes, just see this. I took the board. You have a problem with it? I have a problem. Then bring your parents down. We'll discuss how run. Go for it. First of all, you better learn how to speak. I'm not man. I'm not dude. I am Officer Rivieri. 
Now, the sooner you learn that, the longer you're going to live in this world. SWAT members coming into this home, apparently they say to serve a search warrant for a murder suspect. And when they came into the house, there was a lot of confusion, a flash bang thrown through the window. The grandmother of that little girl, Ayanna Jones, also startled. Apparently, somehow the gun, according to Detroit police, went off. They're calling it an accident. The seven-year-old shot in the neck. Now, here's a little story I got to tell about three officers you don't know so well. It started way back last January with officers UNC Steck and South Duke They ran into a boy named Jordan Miles, a real good kid who for sure was mild. But he was found guilty before a trial because he's a young black man in the wrong part of town. Sandra, the victim did not live here, but he came here every weekend and stayed here to take his mother to church. But this Sunday, instead of praising, this family is planning a funeral, and they want to know why the victim came out onto his stoop, also near the stoop, an undercover officer. But how the confrontation unfolded from there is what the family is disputing. Quietly, his casket is carted into the Palmasia Baptist Church in Hayward. Well Once inside, the silence is shattered. Uncontrollable grief grips the hundreds who file into the church to mourn Oscar Grant's death and remember his life. Police say a 21-year-old man killed himself in the back of a squad car. But Carter's mother says that story just doesn't add up. Over the weekend, Carter was arrested in Jonesboro, Arkansas, for drug possession and a missed court date. Searched twice, handcuffed behind his back and double locked. But police say shortly after placing him in the car, they heard a loud thumping noise. When they checked on Carter, he was slumped over with the shot in the head and a small caliber gun nearby. Any given officer has missed something on a search, you know, be it drugs, be it knives, be it razor blades. This instance happened to be a gun. Police say Carter committed suicide, but how does a person reach for a gun and shoot themselves in the head while handcuffed? Carter's mother says her son was left-handed, yet the, he was shot in the right temple. What do you think happened to your son? I think they killed him. I mean, I mean my son was suicidal. Police are still investigating the incident. Jonesboro Police Chief Michael Yates admits the story is bizarre and defies logic and is now ordering and offering further details. We've reviewed the uh, dash cam video and as late as today managed to uh, have some witnesses come forward that observed the uh, incident from start to finish and uh, their statements tend to support that uh, whatever transpired in the back of that police car transpired uh, in the back with the officers in a different location. Yates met with local African-American leaders and reportedly told them that the FBI is also investigating. The community wants answers. The point is, this is strange. You know, this, this is, and it certainly demands further investigation and explanation. It's not just a black thing. A human being died in the backseat of a police car while handcuffed. Amen, Reverend. Chavis Carter is dead, and we don't know why. 
The police report shows that Carter and just had $10 worth of marijuana on him.
technology is everywhere. Its use poses unique opportunities and unique challenges for all of us. The same is true for police. If a video recording becomes a standard part of interactions with citizens, those who protect and serve may be forced to make some difficult changes in how they execute their public responsibilities. And the honest witness that video can provide is all too absent from many of law enforcement's most intense interactions. Cameras are everywhere, and they can be a valuable tool for transparency and accountability in law enforcement. Not only should the average citizen be able to film if they think the actions of an officer are out of line, but police should employ cameras. They provide great evidence, and if there's a question, it'll show was their use of force justified. Freedom fighting patriots believe quite correctly that it is their First Amendment right to film the police in public. And yet they, like so many across this country, are being told by law enforcement that they do not have the right to film the police. America, if we can't keep an eye on the police, how can we keep them accountable to the people they are sworn to serve and protect? We need an end to this East Germany-like infringement on our inherent right to free speech. You can film the police in the Since January 1st, 2012, police and a much smaller number of security guards and self-appointed vigilantes have murdered at least 120 black women and men. These killings are not accidental. They are not random acts of violence, are the work of rogue You're listening to Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Thank you for being with us tonight at Our Common Ground. State terrorism against the people. Police brutality in a new report brought to us by the Malcolm X Grassroots Movement. Thank you for being with us. Broadcasting brave, bold, and black. I'm Janice Grant, and I'll be listening for you. And thank you for being here at Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves on this August 11th, 2012, in America. We are facing a severe human rights crisis. It is perpetrated by state-sanctioned law and those who swore to protect and to serve. And tonight at Our Common Ground, we're going to be talking about our discussion tonight is state terrorism against the people and our children. One of the reasons our feature tonight was so long is because I wanted you to to come close to this issue. Too often we are somehow able to believe the police version of events, and the media's blame-the-victim narratives that justify and support extrajudicial killing. 
Tonight our guest is Kali Akuno. He is a co-author of one of the most important reports that you will read this year. Every 36 hours, report on the extrajudicial killing of 120 black people. He's an organizer for the Malcolm X Grassroots Movement and former acting co-director of the U.S. Human Rights Network, and he has been an Our Common Ground voice, one of our guests uh, before. Uh, Kali also served as the former executive director of the People's Hurricane Relief Fund based in New Orleans. He's co-founder of the School of Social Justice and Community Development, a public school serving the academic needs of low-income African-American and Latino communities in Oakland, California. This report, as I have indicated last week and tonight, report on extrajudicial killings of 120 black people since January 1st, 2012. And I hope that our feature presentation tonight brought you closer and intimate with this problem. Kali Akuno, welcome once again, my brother, to Our Common Ground. Thank you, Janice. It's always a pleasure to be here. Well, you know, I, I really do thank you for uh, your agreeing to come back and talk with us after last week's uh, technical difficulties uh, that we had at Blog Talk Radio. Kali, tell us uh, about the production and the focus of uh, the the report, and 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 let's talk about what the response has been to the report and whether or not the media is paying attention to it. Well, just to give folks a little background, um, we, uh, this being, you know, several members of uh, the Malcolm X grassroots movement and several allies in the Malcolm X solidarity community, we started uh, keeping a short file, if you will, uh, on these killings uh, back in 2008. Uh, in 2009, um, it first emerged, uh, the idea kind of first emerged from, uh, how would you put it, uh, uh, you know, conjecturing that as a result of uh, the first person of African descent to be elected to the president, that we would see a rise in the number of uh, racial, uh, white supremacist attacks against black and other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of the first thing and we did. I know I did some writing about that in a piece called "Navigating the Storm" that we should anticipate some of these attacks and we should start getting ourselves organized. And that was in the fall of 2008. And shortly after that, unfortunately, almost on cue, you know, the New Year's Eve of 2008, 2009, uh, there were three uh, police shootings, two of which proved to be fatal, that of Oscar Grant in Oakland, California, and Adolph Grimes in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. And the third one, the, the, the young brother lived, and that was Robbie Tolan. Um, but we noticed that, you know, just in 24 hours, uh, you had three brothers in, in three different uh, uh, states, three different cities across this country, uh, who were targeted and brutally killed and murdered. And that was kind of the, 
you know, set off, we need to, to not only was that kind of notion correct, but we needed to follow it, right? And so we, we started keeping information more anecdotally than systematically. When one of us would hear something, you know, we, we'd uh, take note of it. We'd write it down. We'd share it with each other. We'd do a little, you know, email here, blog there, some different things that we were doing in the community with uh, particularly in New York, Atlanta, some other places, you know, with uh, people's self-defense campaigns, you know, using it as, as a point of educating the community that, that these things were going on. But it wasn't really until uh, January of 2011 uh, when in Atlanta there had been over the course of several weeks between November and, and uh, December, uh, I'm excuse me, January of, of this year, um, of 2012, that I, you know, in particular started noticing that, hey, you know, just from what was going on in Atlanta, doing some background reading, saying there's a spike here. There's a major spike that's going up the past three or four months. Uh, and as, you know, put together a team uh, uh, of some folks I worked with in the past, particularly uh, I'm right in the, the Solidarity Committee named Arlene Isaac, who was the co-author of the report, uh, we started doing the homework in February, you know, setting out some time, start doing some homework in February and March and start putting it all together. And then by mid-March, we were already looking at that point, uh, about 30 individuals. Uh, and there were about 27 of them that we can confirm. There was a couple of other ones, you know, just based on the methodology and our uh, uh, access and how the, you know, the police reports often don't state, in most places, they don't state race anymore. They do that very intentionally. So we had to do a lot of searching around. We couldn't verify everything at that time, but we came up with 28 when we did the first report that we put out. Now, that just kind of happened to coincide in some respects uh, with the mass mobilization and outpouring of support uh, for the Martin family after Trayvon was murdered around the same time. Uh, and we said, okay, look, you know, we wanted to, to first educate our own community that this spike is going on. It's, it's systematic. It's not like these are just random acts. They're not like when you look at the whole pattern, it's not like there's something that's isolated uh, at all, despite you know how the police want to characterize it and the mainstream media want to characterize it. And we better take note and we better stand up and start defending ourselves. And we thought that the, the mass mobilizations around the Trayvon Martin case kind of showed us a way. Uh, but for, you know, uh, everything that was being done and rightfully so for Trayvon, there were so many others whose names were not even mentioned, we thought we needed to do some honor for them by putting their names out there and letting folks know this is what's going on uh, and we need to give this, this, this equal attention uh, to all of these individuals, all these human beings, all these, you know, uh, members of our family, uh, some attention. And that was in, you know, April or March when the first piece came out. Uh, that generated a little bit of response. Let's move to the next piece again. That generated a little bit of response. You know, it got a little bit of media. Um, you know, I think some of the greatest fans here, uh, uh, they probably got out there. <laughs> you got to excuse me, I caught a little cold since we last talked. But some of the greatest pieces that got out there was, you know, when folks from the Rainbow Push and, and uh, uh, some folks in the NAACP cited some of that initial research uh, in some of their interviews on the mainstream media, you know, uh, and a couple of times cited us as a source. That was the kind of the thrust of, of the initial report. But we knew that we had just kind of touched the tip of the iceberg, and we kept doing our homework, kept doing our research, and said that we were going to come out with the six-month report 
Uh, and that is what the every 36 hours piece was a reflection of, because we kept looking deeper. Uh, I mean, it really uh, was looking like an a, a endless well, just in terms of what we were looking at from January 1st to June 30th of this year. You know, is when the cutoff of the every 36 hours report was. And to give sense, you know, folks a sense of what I mean, you know, we really only studied and gathered information, you know, because it was, you know, folks should know, it was basically a five-person team uh, that, that pulled all this together, you know, that, that uh, 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 was kind of gathering all this information with me and Arlene in the lead, you know, uh, doing this work in terms of compiling and everything. Um but, you know, we really looked at major cities and then cities that were uh, more than 250,000 people. Now, we suspected if we had, you know, more time uh, on our hands uh, to do more of an investigation, we would have found more than 120 people, black people, uh, alone in this period who were murdered by the police. And I, I, I put that out and I try to emphasize that. You know, because the full story is not being told. We don't believe we've, we've told the full story. We don't believe we have all we have all the information on the name. And so, you know, there's a greater task out there for all of us to do uh, is to make sure that we tell our story, tell our information, and share it with each other, and start systematically organizing ourselves to to come to our own defense. So, um, but just back to the media question. This time around, uh, when the 120 broke, uh, it received a fair amount of coverage in some of the more progressive uh, black media uh, and progressive white media. Mainstream, you know, uh, white media has pretty much ignored the, the story uh, entirely. And not for us, you know, uh, not contacting them. Uh, trying to reach them, uh, trying to make sure that they get the information. Uh, you know, all the ABCs, the NBC, the CBS, you know, the CNN, the Fox, uh, MSNBC, uh, our press people, you know, did their work and got the information out as far and as broad as they could, believe me. Uh, and the story has fundamentally just been, you know, blocked out, righted out uh, from those uh, media sources. And even, quite frankly, Janet, you know, some of the progressive white press has not been uh, all that friendly. We've seen that, you know, uh, uh, we we think that some of the work that we did didn't, you know, laid a foundation for better coverage for what happened in Anaheim and what happened in Dallas. Uh, you know, but even that outside of Anaheim has really kind of only been a flash in the pan. And even if you look at even how some of the the, the media is being framed around uh, 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 Chavis Carter's case, uh, it's still being treated as if it's an isolated incident uh, or this was some kind of random, unexplained uh, act. Uh, and so it's, it's you know this it's still fundamentally being excluded from the mainstream press and the mainstream media. Uh, that there are uh, over well over 120 cases uh, similar to uh, uh, Jameson's case that are out there, just from this year alone.
Janice, you there? I'm here. I'm sorry. I was I, I had put my uh, cough button on. But one of the things that's so disconcerting about this, Kali, is that with all of the incidents that we do know that are being reported, there doesn't seem to be, with the exception of what you have done with your team at Malcolm X Grassroots, there doesn't seem to be uh, a concerted effort to do some strong investigative um, journalism in the progressive or mainstream um, media. And that includes Ebony. I mean, mm-hmm. this should have been a front-page report where black people read. Um, and that's not to minimize where people like you and I, uh, activists, uh, the places where we go for our news. Because it really is been given permission in this era of Obama, given the vitriolic, racist kind of public discourse that is going on. Now, let me ask you about one of the things in my feature that I really wanted to put a focus on is about the community and what our response should be to some of the information that's in this report. And for those of you who are listening, you must read this report. Because you, I mean, this is all state sanctioned. This is not, the. tell us about the 110 since January, what, January 10th of, of this year. That's featured well, I mean, in the report. The first piece that we did, we initially came out so folks know. We initially uh, uh, did one round uh, that finished the end of uh, uh, June, and the number that we could confirm was 110. Uh, but then as the team really kind of finished up just for June 30th, uh, we, the, the total number that we can confirm was 120. So between January 1st and June 30th, 2012, 120 black men, women, and children have been killed, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's so that, underscore who some of those are for people who really need to understand this problem in the context of our own neighborhoods. Thirteen mm-hmm. or eleven percent were children under the eighteen uh, under the age of eighteen. Twenty-two. I mean, yeah. I mean it, it's amazing. We I mean, ought to be, we ought to be furious. Yeah, you know, we 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 really need to be. I mean, uh, 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 you know, we need to be tearing some things up. Quite frankly, we really uh-huh. do. Uh-huh. But uh, you know. Related to a point you made, Janice, I think you hit the nail on the head because, you know, we, as we've reached out to uh, black radio, you know, the black radio talk show circuit, uh, mm-hmm. outside of your show, uh, David D's show, um, uh, Jared Charlie Paul. Muhammad's show, uh-huh. a few other folks, 
I mean, we we basically have, have we haven't received that much by way of black radio in, in terms of support, in terms of coverage. And one of the people, I'll I'll let their you know out of respect for the team, uh, I'll leave his name unknown. Uh, but somebody at least had the honesty to tell us that one of the reasons why they were not going to give that much play to the story, even though they they found uh, the Nation of Islam's coverage of it. Uh, 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 alarming That's their word Alarming uh, And that this needed to be You know It needed to get out And they were glad It was getting out But they weren't going to Put it on the show Because they didn't know What impact it would have On the Obama re-election campaign I heard that with my own ears That was somebody that Directly told me that And so that type of uh, You know Just turning a blind eye uh, You know It's something I think We, we need to Speak to and and try to understand because it's not the only you know this is not the only issue germane to our people to the black community uh, that folks have chosen to kind of let sit on the sidelines out of some fear that it would somehow hurt uh, the image of the uh, Obama presidency or the Obama campaign uh, when you know uh, from my view I think just the opposite is that you know. Uh, uh, he may sit there and say he's not the president of black America. Okay, but you are the president of the United States, and you have a responsibility to all the people in there, and that includes black people still. So if you can deal with the issues of other communities, you can also deal with the issues of our community. And there shouldn't be no extra you know, leather off of his back and off of his administration's back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, reality of it says to me, you know, what I replied back to this particular individual was that, you know, it would seem to me the reverse logic, that given how uh, unmotivated many of the youth are and how disappointed and, and quite frankly, maybe disillusioned at this point, many of the young people who turned out in droves for the first time to vote uh, for him in 2008, uh, that some of them are likely never return to the polls again because of their disappointment, that disillusion. But if he stood out and, and, and took a stance on this, it might regain him some credibility in certain circles within the flag. Mm-hmm. You know, so in the same way he's using have his initiative on African American education. Right. Right. You know, so I said he really doesn't have anything anything to lose. And uh, uh of anything, uh you know, if if I was in his shoes I would be uh concerned Given the number of death threats that we know about, and quite you know, we're probably there's probably more death threats against him that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you have all these rogue elements, both within the military, within these police forces, who are gunning at him, making these comments. You would think that you would want to try to gain some level of control using whatever kind of power you have on an institutional basis uh, to kind of suppress, quite frankly. Uh, uh, you know this this kind of murderous uh, attitude that's pervading pervading all of these police forces. It's in his mm-hmm. own life interest, one would think. But you know, uh, um, we me, you know, I'm not uh, just so folks know. I'm not a. I've never been a great supporter of, of uh, Obama, uh, and there's nothing against him personally. Uh, it just has to do with the nature of uh, my opposition to the to the overall structure and politics of this country. Uh, and and him being a figurehead uh, of it, in my, to me, makes him no difference than, than Bush or Clinton or any of those who came before. Uh, 
uh, you know, but just recognizing that, you know, as a person of African descent uh, and somebody who's being threatened in many respects because he's a person of African descent, there's still a threat upon all of us. And we would hope that he would recognize that and defend his own interest in that, in that thing. Mhm, mhm. You know, one of the things that is is very disturbing is that we deal with this as though they were stories on one hand, and we fail to look at the statistical import on the other hand. Mm-hmm. But let me let me ask you about the international community. Now, I did see that Al Jazeera, uh, when the report first came out, had a small bit about it uh, in the English version. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, I mean, as the former uh, um, acting co-director of the the, um, Human Rights Commission, the um network network what what is happening um in terms of the report that was submitted to the UN i think that was about 2 years ago and yeah, the, police brutality the, the was one of the issues but right now we're talking about mm-hmm. not only police brutality we're talking about police murder right Right. Well, you know, the the reception of the report, the information uh, per usual, uh, has been a lot better internationally than it's been domestically. Uh, you know, we've received a lot of coverage uh, in, in particular Spanish uh, and Portuguese uh, media, particularly within the last couple of weeks as more things have been translated. So, Aparelia uh, and, and uh, Telesur uh, out of Venezuela have given us some coverage. Uh, and other, you know, news media in Brazil uh, focusing on Afro-Brazilian issues, they've given it coverage and done a lot of stuff that parallels, you know, the, the, the extrajudicial killing and the long practice of that in Brazil directed at people of African descent. They've really been making some good connections on, you know, uh, some things that some people know, but they're trying to really there uh, educate some of the younger generations who, you know, uh, have this image of, you know, uh, African people from the United States uh, being what they see on the, the TV, the international TV that's broadcast to them, and then have to be confronted with the reality of, of you know, uh, the conditions of our communities when they read reports like this and see the facts for themselves. So it's getting a lot of good reception on that level. Now, on the in, on the level of the, the United Nations, uh, you know, we are definitely uh, preparing uh, to take a full uh, report uh, based on these findings uh, to the third committee uh, and several of the other committees as an urgent action piece and say, you know, something needs to be done here. That's that's in motion uh, as we speak. We've been preparing to do that and putting all the pieces together uh, for that since the report came out. So, uh, you know, basically in, 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 uh, the U.N. is going to be meeting, uh, the General Assembly is going to be meeting in New York City in September uh, and so we're definitely going to be, some of our members who are based in New York City are going to be uh, engaged in some activities there to uh, uh, spread the report, do some education about it, and start working on the inside with some of our allies to make sure that this gets heard, you know, as, as, as broadly on the floor as possible. 
and you know make the United States government uh, answer some some concrete questions like what the hell is going on and what are you planning on doing uh, to correct this? You know, as a starting point. But mm-hmm. you know, what people should know, uh, Janice, is that the Obama administration uh, has delayed uh, virtually all of the UN processes. Uh, that the United States government uh, was supposed to be accountable to uh, within the established timeline. Mm-hmm. So folks should know that the the, third, the United the Obama administration was supposed to submit its CERB report. And CERB, for those who don't know, that's the uh, Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Racial Discrimination, also known as the Race Treaty. Uh, the United States government ratified that in 1994, right under Clinton. Um, we took a big delegation for the last CERT report, uh, CERT U.S. CERT, here in review with the U.S. Human Rights Network in 2008. 2012, this year, uh, was uh, so the report was supposed to be submitted last November, and then the hearing was supposed to be uh, uh, this April or May. They haven't turned the report in yet. The Obama administration has not turned the report in yet. Okay, so... Folks need to be clear about that, and they've given clear indication that uh, because this is an election year uh, and they were getting it ready for the election cycle, they were not going to expend political capital uh, on this report uh, because they didn't want to be attacked, this is their words, you know, uh, by the Republicans and the Tea Party folks who are very much opposed to any uh, U.S. involvement in the United Nations. So they haven't even done the report. Now, there were two other reports uh, in two other review cycles that the United States government was also supposed to be up for uh, in 2012. Uh, One is uh, uh, the ICCPR, uh, and that's the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. They actually did do their report for that. Uh, The report was supposed to be due in uh, February 2011. They didn't turn it in until uh, New Year's Day. Uh, January 1st, 2012, uh, and they did so in such a manner that uh, basically they can't be part of a review for the 2012 cycle. So they've been pushed back into a calendar year to have the review either be 2013 or 20, more than likely, in 2014. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And the same thing is for the last one, which all three of them are very important to us and to our people. But this one is uh, is particularly important. Uh, for certain aspects uh, uh, of what we're dealing with with this subject tonight, and that's the uh, uh, the CAT. CAT stands for the Convention Against Torture. Uh, and these are all three different pieces that the United States government ratified. And the Convention Against Torture, you know, deals with what happens with folks in prison, what happens with folks in, in detention, and you know, the extrajudicial killing is just one particular dimension of this whole problem that we have. Uh, uh, as a people with law enforcement. If you look at racial profiling, you know, the stop and frisk, Frisk, uh, uh the other forms of containment, uh, Uh you see that, you know, these extrajudicial killings are really one byproduct of this whole process of of, of political containment of our people in our community uh, Uh that results in 2 million-plus people being incarcerated or some form of supervision, right? So CAT deals with that, and so does ICCPR. Uh, in very kind of concrete terms. And we are going to make sure uh, that regardless of whether, you know, they are serious about uh, engaging in the review process themselves, you know, we are going to do uh, our duty uh, as members of so-called civil society 
to make sure that the international community knows about our issues and knows about the facts uh, as we have assembled them. We can demonstrate and improve them, and so they hear the story directly from the horses now. And I think that people really ought to look at the specific contents of uh, the National Plan of Action for Racial Justice uh, whose focus is really to eliminate institutional racism and advance the struggle for self-determination. And it really brings me, Kali, and I know you're not feeling well, but I, I just want to keep you for about ten more minutes to get to the issue of self-determination. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I have been involved, I started being involved with the Malcolm X grassroots movement in the 1970s. At mm-hmm. its inception, I mean that was during the the early years where there were some self determination programs in our community that were very effective and operating fluently. But mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that we have lost our sense of self determination, and I do want to talk about this plan because we have got to have a local struggle around this issue. We've got to call on organizations and individuals to demand some kind of framework for both a national and regional plans around combating police terrorism against our community. And this report is only only the the impetus for going back, I mean, when, when when you think about it, we are allowing our children. You know, I was looking at a report, and I don't know if you know about this report, but recently, last week, a federal lawsuit was settled with two officers from the New York City Police Department. And those of you out there, you might not believe this. It was settled and they'll have to pay no more than $5,000 each to settle this lawsuit from a 2007 incident around a 14-year-old black boy who was throwing eggs at a car. And what these officers did was they accosted him. Listen to me carefully. Yeah. Instead of being charged and taken into custody and having his parents come and pick him up, they took him to a marsh. They disrobed him and beat him and, and left him in the swamp so far away from his home that he was just wandering. That was a 14-year-old boy in 2007. So I think we we it, let, let's talk about how this crisis can be can be abated. What mm-hmm. must the black community first do around self defense against the police department? This is America, and you 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 listen to those words <laughs> and you think, what the hell? The only the only real solution, Janice, is we we got to organize our people. Number one, we got to organize our community, and we need, we got to organize in our own self-defense. One of the things that that you know, in addition to 
this whole notion around this, this national plan of action for racial justice. You know, one of the core things that we uh, are being put in for is a, is a kind of a, a starting point, a component of that plan. Uh, number one, uh, we think we need to build a broad united front to start building black self-defense networks in our community that engage in, you know, cop watch programs, educational programs about know your, you know, rights, what to do uh, if you're accosted by a police officer, you know, how to handle and conduct yourself, uh, how to make sure it's documented, reported, uh, you know, if you're alone uh, or you have no one to come to your aid. Uh, you know how do you, how do you stand as an individual in those cases, which is very important. Uh, and we also need these networks to engage, you know, as first responders. When you know there used to be a time in a lot of neighborhoods, you know, uh, quite frankly, when the police came on the block, somebody could give a whistle or give some other kind of signal. We would all know, hey, you know, they're here. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know, and uh, uh, those times for a lot of different reasons, which we don't have time to talk about, I think today, but. You know, those times have, have passed, but we've, we've done it before in the past, and we've had some, you know, effective results of slowing, you know, that, this particular beast down in terms of, you know, just the open season on, on killing our folks. And we've got to go back to uh, some of those tried-and-true methods of self-defense, uh, you know, to be able to address and confront this issue. You know, uh, uh, just adding, letting the police investigate themselves, letting uh, uh, you know the the FBI, um, you know, come in and do an internal investigation and prove the same thing. You know, well, you know, we need more training. You know, we know those things aren't going to produce much, and we see that it's only when we are organized and it's only when we use the force of our organization, uh, as as was uh, on display in Oakland in 2008 and 2009. And I think what we just saw in Anaheim, I think, is a good case in point where the community came out for well over two weeks straight, you know, with pickets of Disneyland, you know, uh-huh, and, and, uh-huh. and occupations of uh, city offices and, and, and uh, uh, city businesses and the police offices itself, and saying, you know, uh, we are not going away until some of the, you know, until this issue is, is seriously addressed. Now, uh, I'm and posting... I think we have to get back to that, that type of organizing. I'm posting in our chat room the link for the petition where the Malcolm X grassroots movement is looking for a million signatures uh, to call for uh, uh, to, to to call for organizing cop watch and and self defense uh, campaigns and one of the most important things that I think that people who are listening who are interested in th- these issues. In terms of activating your own community, is to go after your local police departments to ensure that you have police um, review boards and control boards, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to insist upon the demilitarization of our communities because a lot of these cops are simply have both emotional and mental issues that arise out of military service. That's right. They're coming back from an Iraq, uh, from Afghanistan, from Pakistan, where terrorism against 
uh, uh, just plain old residents in neighborhoods was <coughs> acceptable. And they're using those same strategies on the streets of America. And somehow we've got to do that. The other is if you really want to know what you ought to be telling President Obama that ought to be on his agenda for his administration and his campaign speeching and whatever he does rather than putting the the the, the onus on nine-year-olds to, to fix America, that, that we really need to be taking some of this military and security budget, homeland security, and the Pentagon, and putting it into community reinvestment and social programs. And that ought to be part of the local struggle. We start, you know, folks, we've, we, Kali, uh, we've got to start, we've got to go back to the old language. We've got to start talking mm-hmm. about self-determination. We've got to start talking about struggle. This is a struggle. This is a crisis. You are living in a neo-slavery era without recognizing it, folks. This is the kind of terrorism that went on in many black communities at the beginning of the Jim Crow era. Mm -hmm. Rosewood, Tulsa, Oklahoma City. And then you go into the 60s and 70s, and you saw self-defense programs, community-based self-defense programs, and communities that watched for this kind of terrorism and reported it within the community. You saw that in Miami. You saw it in Jacksonville. You saw it in Brooklyn. You saw it in Oakland, you I mean, can anybody still see the blood stains? Can you, can you folks out there see the blood stains of Oscar Grant? What was that more than an execution? The, this Carter young man who was, re, who recently was put into a police car, he was checked, pat down, Twice before he was put in that police vehicle, but he shot himself with his handcuffs, handcuffs with his hands, handcuffed behind his back. Yeah, right. And there is no other outcry than some post on Facebook and Twitter. Shame on us. Kali, um, Tell us how people can get involved with the Malcolm X grassroots movement. Because you know what, I'm I'm tired of the NAACP and the Urban League and all them. <laughs> well, folks, folks can get involved directly with us. Uh, if, if you're just in the listening audience and want some general information, go to our website, uh, which is www.mxgm.org. Uh, and if you want to uh, go further than that. Uh, and explore, uh, you know, possibly becoming a member of folks can email me uh, and I will, you know, get you to uh, uh, let me know what, what city you're in, what region you're in, and I can pass that on to the coordinators in that particular area. Uh-huh. Uh, 
Uh, but you can email me directly at Kuno, A.K. That's all one word, Kuno, Um, You know, uh, and if you're already in an organization, uh, make sure that your organization uh, takes up this work. Yeah. Um, you know, because and, you got to build a front on this to be able to take it on. MXGM cannot do it by itself. You know, the, what we've got to do is we got to stop worrying about things that don't ensure and don't secure our future. Mm-hmm. Kali, I don't know mm-hmm. how you're feeling. You and I haven't talked for a while, but... Um, the game is is damn near over unless we rise up. And I'm not understanding people who think, and I've said this over the last couple of days, it's been a theme that's been running around in my head as an activist, is that we have never relied upon the President of the United States to do for us what we ought to be doing for ourselves. Once we started doing for ourselves, some other folks started responding. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm going to quote you on that, Janet. Good, please do. I'm just, I'm just letting you know, but that's that's the truth. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I, I think we... Uh, I'm ready to go back. To, I, I'm, re- I, I'm, 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 I'm serious about this, too. Uh, and I've been serious, I think, for, for, for many years. I'm ready to go to the colony. Mm-hmm. Me and my people, me and my my mm-hmm. folks, you know. Well, I, I think we got to. I think we got to recognize, you know, the, it's it, it, we in a period where it's, you know people should have no illusions that uh, uh, it's going to get worse before it gets uh-huh. better. Yeah. You know, because things have deteriorated to that point, and I think, you know, I would say even for myself, just being, it's, it's just taking some of uh, some events. Uh, for me to kind of, I think, honestly wrestle and deal with that. There's a way in which I think sometimes we see it academically. Uh, I think, you know, me and you and others, you know, uh, we were doing uh, work around Katrina. We felt a particular part part of it. Uh, I think, you know, that shocked the, 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 a lot of us, you know, knocked, our, our, uh, uh, knocked us off our rockers. I think we're still recovering from that. I think we need to be uh, uh, honest about what that all meant and to put it in context even now. You know, because what, what Katrina, uh, if folks had any illusions that, you know, in this country black life has no worth, Katrina was, was should have been your wake-up call. Yeah. And these yeah. extrajudicial killings and all the other stuff that's going on, I mean, that's just clearly our life has no value to them. So it can be snuffed out, you know, with with a heartbeat, you know, with yep. a phone call, you know. And until we uh, uh, really organize ourselves to defend our own life, it's going to continue to be snuffed out like that. Yeah. And that's the reality. In, in, in uh, Obama, nobody else is going to do anything that we can't do for ourselves. So, you know, we we got to go back, like as you were saying, to some of that tried and true and the things that we know you know, did our ancestors well and got us to this point of surviving in this, you know, crazy, hostile wilderness in the first place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and we've got to start. Um, I, I, I miss the part where I was broadcasting five nights a week. 
because you can begin to really organize with an audience and and come to solutions. You you can't really do that on a weekly show. So what I try to do is flush out the crap. This is the flush mm-hmm. out the crap radio station. <laughs> so, um, but I do think that one of the things that we have got to be so cognizant about, that we've got to focus on, and that is what is going to sustain us right. through these terrible times. Right. And security is something that we are not providing our children. We are not maintaining for our elders. I mean, no one in our community, not one black face out there, y'all, is immune. I mean, it is a discussion that I am having with my grandson every time he is in my face. Um, and we can't be... We can't be cynical about it. We have to be realistic about it and balance it with all of the good stuff. Because my daughter, Colleen, my daughter's always calling me, okay, Mom, we're going to have good thoughts today. We're going to have real good thoughts today. (laughs) Because even though he's 10 years old, he looks like he's 16. And if something breaks out in the park where he's simply playing a, a game of dodgeball, he will be targeted. That's right. And that's what we have to understand. We have to either stop it or we have to just go to the funerals and say it's a damn shame. And I want all the people who who are willing just to say it's a damn shame to get behind me. Kali Akuno, thank you so very much. Again, for those of you who are listening it's www.mxgm.org to get the report, to get more information about the Malcolm X Project. And I am going to suggest, as I always do, take the project, send it to your local newspaper. Take the report. Just copy it out or email it or something and said, it looks like you might not have gotten this. That's right. That's right. So... We hope to um, to have you back more often. Uh, we're going to be going to a five-day uh, schedule on in October as we come up to this election because it seems as though the election and the campaign is going to offer us more opportunity, Kali, to exercise our interest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have an mm-hmm. exorcism of moving the just just taking out the bullshit and looking at what we have before us as a people. So thank you I'll so very much, and I hope it. you feel better. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Appreciate it, and as always, uh, good to be here and, and uh, look to talk for, to you again soon. Well, we hope we hope that you know that our microphone is always open to you, and thank you so very much. Uh, and get some chicken soup. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Good night. That was uh, Kali Akuno. He is uh, one of the co-authors of the report, 
on extrajudicial killings of 120 black people since January 1st, 2012. You're listening to Our Common Ground. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about what's happening on the political landscape. Big deal. Now you got Mitterskitter, and Robbie Skeeter on the GOP ticket. Joining us will be India Declare of the I Declare show here at Blog Talk Radio and Alpho of the Alpho show on TruthWorks Network. And you stay with us. We'll be right back. This is Our Common Ground. Truth to Power, Saturday, 10 p.m., Our Common Ground, Transforming Truth to Power, one broadcast at a time. You know that the ice cream scoop can make a child smile. And that by slowing us down, the traffic light can keep us going. You know that the lawnmower makes life easier. That the blood bank makes life possible. But did you know all these ideas came from the minds of African Americans? Support the United Negro College Fund. Because a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Visit uncf.org or call 1-800-332-UNCF. Brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. Republican Congress is looking to defund parts of Dodd-Frank. In the face of these losses, of this risk-taking, why aren't the Democrats out pointing the fingers to saying they will be responsible should there be a need for government to step in with another bailout of banks because of this risk, about of these risky derivatives and trading. Why aren't the Democrats pointing the fingers at the people who are standing in the way of reforming the financial institute? That's malpractice, malfeasance, and it's necessary. And to me, it just simply seems that I know. I, I'm not I know because they're getting money from these same financial institutions to stall get this into, but if Republicans are playing cutthroat politics, why are the Democrats playing that? And why can't they be on the offensive? 
And that, that's the first. Here's the second charge. You've got the Republicans beating this old message of debt. You got Mitt Romney standing in front of a dead clock now. And that will be the narrative. And the Democrats, you don't see this coming? You don't see this narrative coming as they force another debt fight. As they the best of political talkback, common sense, right from the concrete. Urban, progressive, politics, politics, politics. Friday night at TruthWorks Network, 10 p.m., Alpha drills down deep the lies, the conspiracies in politics. It's just damn politics. The Alpha Show. Show, 
the I Declare show, which uh, broadcasts Monday through Friday here at Blog Talk Radio, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And she declares, yes, she does. And Michelle, thank you for being with us tonight. Uh, Steins is in the house. Uh, thank you so very much, and thank you for all of your um emails and messages and don't forget on the 27th of um, August we're launching a six week special broadcast project Working Wild Black looking at black race discrimination in employment it'll be right here on Monday night not right here but at TruthWorks Network Uh, will be hosted by Ricardo Jones. He's a former senior investigator at the EEOC, and he was our guest a couple weeks ago. And we had promised that we would continue that discussion, and we are going to do that with the six-week series on employment discrimination against black people and what's happening there. In the second hour, what we're going to do is try to give you an idea uh, of what happened in American politics today. Rick Mitt, Mitt Romney has picked as his running mate 42-year-old Republican Congressman Paul Ryan, a Republican of Wisconsin. He's the architect of the GOP budget, which the New York Times described as the most extreme budget plan passed by a House of Congress in modern times. Um, If you want to know, really understand who this man is, and I'm not so sure if you do want to know, but um, truthout.org published a piece today by Igor Volsky. Um, of Think Progress and TruthWorks called 12 Things You Should Know About Vice Presidential Candidate Paul Ryan. It will help you out. But I am suspecting that there's much more underneath this. As India Declare would say, the show behind the show behind the show. And um, I have brought together India Declare uh, and... Alpha of the Alpha Show to talk with me about this tonight. But let's take a look at where the Romney campaign was prior to this announcement. We're back. We're back. Alpha, you want to give us a a brief overview of where the campaign was and what you think was happening, Um, because my clip is supposed to be five minutes and it's only two seconds. So help us out here. Good evening, Janice. Uh, Good evening, and thank you for joining us. Uh, We're waiting for you to – we're waiting for India to um, put on her – Spike heels and come on in, <laughs> but but give us an overview. Well, what you've had is a very poor. I would call it six weeks. Mitt Romney has been under 
a furious attack of definition. He has been defined as a person of shady dealings. He has been defined as the tax avoidance king. He has been defined as the most secretive, uh, richest presidential candidate in our history. Now, I don't know if you can say that I have business experience and it's in Bain Capital, and then you want to whine once you are defined. And once, I mean, facts are facts. And when you can't deal with the facts, you begin whining and pointing the finger and yelling for the referees. There are, there's no crying in these politics. I understand politics about you can complain if someone is lying on you. But Mitt Romney seems to lie all the time. He lies about everything and what he had been reduced to. He started out with uh, Obama had to learn to be American. He sent his pawns and his proxies out to say that. Then he came out with the ads of you didn't build that as he had to splice and cut and take out of context. He followed that up by accusing the president of denying veterans the right to vote, which was just a barefaced lie. Then he started out with Obama wants to take work out of welfare, which he knows that's a lie. And then it's the war on religion. So there's been a field of yard rakes that Mitt Romney has stepped on for the last six weeks. He can get nothing right. Everything he says that comes out of his mouth is easily debunked or it's just total nonsense. So he's had a problem. And this this Ryan pig simply took that problem and molded it like clay into the biggest doo-doo smoothie you could ever want. I can understand him picking someone such as a Portman or a Thune, but he picked the the, the, the best candidate for Democrats, but he's a dangerous candidate for Democrats because the Democratic Party and the so-called elected officials in the Democratic Party will not stand and make the media call the balls and strikes fairly. Paul Ryan will sit with a straight face and tell the people that he's trying to save Medicare and Medicaid. It was, and dismiss the fact that Social Security was on the chopping block with his budget last year. So this is where uh, Mitt Romney was. And for him to pick a Paul Ryan, he has simply stepped in it, stepped on another rake, because now he's running from the Ryan budget, which he has been documented five times, approving with calling it marvelous, uh, a, a solid plan, and now he wants to say, well, I'm not running on the Ryan budget. <laughs> I'm, I have my own. So where is he, and what, is, what does he stand for? And that well, be there, the, the, there are, uh, are four things about this Ryan pick, about this Ryan man, that really is very, very disturbing. But I think that the bottom line um, 
is that Romney didn't really have anyone to serve up to his base. And he has already said that he's not running on the the Ryan budget. But let me tell people about three areas that they ought to be really, really concerned about. First of all, here's a guy who offers his infamous budget, and it replaced the current tax structure with two brackets, 25% and 10%, and cut the top rate from 35%. And that means for somebody who purports that he's trying to save America's financial situation, deficit, and debt, that means that tax collections will fall by about $4.5 trillion over the next 10 years. So uh, that's one area that we ought to be really concerned about with this guy. The other is how he increases, how he proposes to increase Medicare costs for seniors and eligibility age. In his budget, he changes the existing version of Medicare in which government provides seniors with a guaranteed benefit into a premium support system where all future retirees would receive a government contribution to purchase insurance from an exchange. Then there's this other area where he leaves Social Security and gives he takes Social Security and gives control to Wall Street. It's a, a, a Social Security. Uh, in, in in 2011, Ryan agreed with Rick Perry of Texas that Social Security was a Ponzi scheme. And so what he is proposing is, well, what he's advocated for is privatizing the retirement benefit and investing it in stocks and bonds claiming that it would outperform the current formula based on wages earned and overall wage appreciation. I think for anyone who is concerned about their country and what is going to happen financially in this country and what's going to happen to the middle class working uh, people in this country and what's going to happen to poor people ought to be today after this announcement. This couple will gut you and then pretend that you are still breathing. Am I right about this, Alpha? Well, well, Janice, what you're absolutely right about this, and what he, what this man bases his budget on is this uh, uh, hypotheticals that he professes will come to fruition when they are hypotheticals and they are unable to be scored and he won't give the uh, tax loop. He says there's a, a volley, a land full of tax loopholes that he will uh, eliminate. But he said he doesn't say which ones. So therefore he, he tries to explain to people that uh, there, by widening the base, he uses specious verbiage, and 
easily unexplainable verbiage to propagate his hypotheticals and his narrative. And it seems to be the same. That's what Romney does. You can't vet his tax plan. Uh, nobody can vet it. Uh, it has to be worked out with Congress. What has Congress worked out in the last three years but obstruction? What has Congress well, done? Well, you know, and, and the thing is that Paul, this Paul Ryan man has really been the second henchman to Boehner to obstruct anything being done in the Congress. Well, even better He's than, been in the Congress for 14 years. And Let's, that's my point. Even better than that, Janice, this man has voted for both of the Bush tax cuts unfunded. He's voted for the pharmacy unfunded. He's voted for the two wars unfunded. He has been the reason that the debt has exploded under Bush and under everyone else. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. he's propagating him, putting himself up as some type of deficit hawk, which mm-hmm. he has failed. History, the what's in writing, what we know is true, says just the opposite. And this is what we have to hold mainstream media's feet to. What I, while I was, we shared this moment uh, last night when you saw David Gregory and uh, Chuck Todd, when they, when the news was leaked. Yeah, uh, Alpha, I had to call you in the midnight hour. <laughs> and, and, I mean, these people were, they were simply, they were simply salivating. And and calling Ryan bold and courageous for and and basically putting forth this nonsense like this man was some type of critical thinker, when in fact all he, these people are snake oil failing, they're canards. They, I mean, they they use two fingers to give you a rectal exam and tell you it's a second opinion. <laughs> <laughs> But, Alpha, in your opinion, and for those of you who would like to, we, we'd like to hear how people are responding to this. Because, you know, we're here once again because of our lack of, co- uh, of, of cooperatively organizing in our community. Um, three and a half years ago, four years ago, we are caught in the corner again, having to make choices between Tweedly D and Tweedly Dumb. Tweedly D, we should have jacked him up when he first came in the office. We should have let him know what the real deal was and where the rubber met the road. We failed to do that. And in failing to do that, I mean, we're talking about budget cuts that essentially will not, will not um, help us and will destroy us. Alpha, we've got one caller calling in. I hope it's, uh, we're waiting for India Declare to get her to chime in on this. Good evening. You're on our common ground. Thank you for your call. 
Hey, uh, Janice, and the Alpha of the there audience. There she hey, is. Guys. I declare. Yes, here I am. Here I Hi. am. I'm, Thank I'm you listening. so much, India. India, what was your response, and what? why do you think that um, uh, Mitt Romney chose Paul Ryan? Um, I, I, um, for those of us who tend to follow this um, with a pretty um, – close lens, we might not be too surprised. Uh, It appears as though, and we have heard from uh, various... Did we lose India? India? Alpha? Maybe we lost me. Alpha. Alpha. What the heck is going on tonight? Alpha, are you there? Yeah. Yep, I'm here. Uh, we lost uh, India. I think we lost all audio for a minute there. Okay. Um, the call dropped. Um, um, I'm sure India understands the technical issues on Blog Talk. India, are you there? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay, we we, we lost you for dropped. a minute. We, we yes, lost yes, you. Yes, I was. Yes, I was just saying that what I took from this was a, a, a complete lack of surprise along the. Um, uh, a campaign trail uh, where we have seen a uh, Governor Romney um, side by side with uh, Congressman Ryan. They seem to be uh, very comfortable with each other. We uh, have heard consistently that uh, Governor Ryan would most likely pick someone who he is very comfortable with. And Congressman Ryan looks like a mini Romney, kind of. <laughs> so to me, it's, it's you know, Romney, mini Romney. And uh, Congressman Ryan uh, 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 has this very interesting, warm-type face, uh, mm-hmm. and so is able to uh, sell. Uh, 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 but what he is selling, when people, I believe when people get more involved, begin to come on into this and put a lens to it, lift the hood on this, uh, there are... It is it is uh, uh, between the nuns on the bus and the tax policy center and 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 so many other references. Clearly, 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 the Romney Ryan ticket is for the uh, elite, the top what, uh, uh, top one to five percent, if you may, and and the budget speaks for them, and the budget eviscerates uh, the rest of us. So, um, very extreme. Pick and anybody who has followed Ryan knows he uh, uh, advances the mindset of uh, Ayn Rand and 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 uh, through uh, an extreme ideology and perspective. Uh, so uh, here we go. And uh, to me, it, it just confirms what so many have been saying all along um, was that uh, you better get engaged um, and fight for your right to vote and your right to exist. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's very clear uh, that they're a they are a very scary duo. And I one agree. of the things that um, I don't know if you caught it, Alpha, or you caught it, India, or anybody else out there caught it. Uh, one of the things that was even scarier was that in his acceptance of this pact that they have made to be running mates, mm-hmm. uh, Paul Ryan started out lying. I mean, one of the lies that he told he he talked about that was just so distinct to me today was that um, he is familiar with the in issues of the inner city because of the inner cities in his district that he served for 14 years. There are no inner cities in his district out there. In well, and people are going to have to really become very astute about the game, like I just referenced, you know, the cell. And now here we go into the cell. And it's going to all be about the packaging and the cell. And I would say uh, 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 that, that, that 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 you just referenced uh, definitely ties into selling them to African mm-hmm. Americans. And I mm-hmm. think that that's going to be their biggest hurdle. Those who don't know the facts might buy it. Uh, but those who know the facts, it, it will be hard for me to believe that they will buy this unless you are uh, one of the top zero to five percent. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you are, if your name is Romney or your pocketbook is on Romney, then you'll do well by these folks. But, well, uh, they're the scariest else. two little white boys I ever saw together in my lifetime. We've got a caller. Alpha and India, let's take uh, this call. You're on the air at Our Common Ground. Thank you for your call. Hello, Janice. Yes. Yeah, this is Doc Don. How you doing? Doc Don. Oh, my Don. Hi, Dean. Oh, as Alpha would say, oh, my brother. <laughs> Good to have you joining us tonight. What yeah, you, well, what? thank you. You know, I just wanted to uh, chime in and, uh, you know, especially uh, – Give my appreciation to uh, you and to India, Alpha, and all the other broadcasters that's in the family because it's lonely at the top. And you put in many, many hours trying to wake our people up as to the truth of the matter and what we need to be about doing and taking care of business in order to assure our survival in this this nation, nation. And um, so I wanted to give you your kudos for that. Thank you very Thank much, John. Thank yeah. you so much. That means you, a you lot. You don't get enough of that, but, uh, you know, you, you deserve to get that pat on the back. Uh, with reference to um, the situation that we now face, as I put in the chat room, this team represents the devil incarnate, period. The best of white supremacy. Absolutely. And, you know, what what the tactic that we need to utilize is one of information, passing the information about the truth of this team to the average person that we run in, into or have daily contact with. Because now they're talking about, with Brian's budget, 
really dealing with our defense budget, our non-defense, uh, you know, uh, expenditures. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the veterans are messing with me now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got a big and the up- other thing, we just talked to Kali Akuno about the notion of taking some of this military and security budget in this federal budget and putting it into programs that are going to be meaningful to the real victims of government uh, of government and government neglect. Yeah. Uh-huh. If we think that the prison industrial system is big and powerful now, it is becoming uh-huh. more private, it is getting more federal funds, you wait until the Romney, Ray, uh, uh, Paul, T- if the, if it, I, I'm, I'm telling you, black people all over the country. I mean, I've been talking to a lot of people today, and black people, all, a lot, a, a lot of people, a lot of activists are saying, if this happens, if this, if this two people get into the White House, I'm gone. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm about it. I'm out somewhere else. Absolutely. Right. And I'm wondering right. if anybody in our audience is thinking the same thing. Uh, I mean, personally, talk- I have been for quite some time, so I'll be the first to say yes. Sure. Because- you know, I could do our common ground from St. Kitts, <laughs> from from um, um, Tanzania. I, I, you know, I, I mean, it, it, this is scary. Yeah. And, you know, he's dealing with Medicaid, you know, and, uh, you know, he, he wants to uh, – you know, cut that spending and and uh, put it into block grants. Yeah. And uh, you know, and and you know, when you really look, start messing with that, you're messing with some of these uh, you know older people's uh, interests. Only income. And so we only need absolutely. survival. Yeah, and we need to let these people know. Yep. You know, not only black. That's going to affect these white seniors and, right. and and people out here. Exactly. You know. Yeah, and the, the the stamps, the the uh, you know SNAP program. He wants to to uh, cut it. He wants to cut back to two o eight levels of Pell Grant. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, you know, so we need to just go ahead and really broadcast, get our act together, do our little research, pull up a summary of his. Uh, um, Attitudes on on the economy and on the various issues that concern us, just like we've just been talking about, and and spread the news, spread the word, That's right. tell That's it, right. tell it, let them know that yep. it's not just going to be sinking us. It's going to sink. It's going to if you're not in that elite group, your right. ship sunk. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Let me say this about what Don. Uh, thank you for your call. And thank you thank very you. much. Thank you, thank you, Dean. Thank you so much. And thank you for your kudos. We appreciate listeners that appreciate us. Yeah. Go ahead, Alfo, and then we're going to go to 773. Let me say this. You know, I'm not going anywhere. Win, lose, or draw. Perseverance has to be the order of the day, regardless. Because if Obama wins, the fight continues. The obstruction continues. The Rooting against America continues. If Romney and Ryan win, the fight continues. The devastation of America continues. Our forefathers, the slaves, the the hangmen, did not die so that we 
can simply flee to a better place for us. Bring we it in. Remain. We all can't go, that's for sure. Hey, that is true, and that and that and that is the other side. Uh, Alpha uh, uh, expresses the other side of that sentiment very well. They make the best cheeseburgers around the world, right here. <laughs> We're gonna go to seven seven three, seven seven three. You're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call. Seven seven three. It didn't turn red. Why isn't it turning red? Seven seven three. Seven seven three. Hello, Jenna. Yes. Thank hey, you for your house. call. How's everybody? House music lovers. Thank you. Come on in on. Hi, there. House. How are oh. you, sir? How I'm you doing, good. House? Good. Just real quick to answer that question: Why Romney chose him? Um, because he listened to the libertarians that took over the Republican Party. He didn't have a choice. Um, they're the only thing that's going strong right now. And they have the biggest voice um, because they, they're the biggest, you know, the corruptors of the party right now. And um, they're driving it. And except they're not Republicans, they're libertarians. They're not your daddy's Republicans. They're not doing business the way Republicans used to do. They're straight up libertarians. And um, they got the money and they got the votes. So, um, like I said, he didn't have a choice, for one. Um, I, but I think the biggest result will be that um, they should lose. Uh, doubly big before he chose Ryan um, Because everything is really out there they, There's nowhere for them to hide They double down And um, if Obama and Biden can't win Then you know the fix was in Because adding this dude is a wrap It's too simple It's really too easy And that's what, that's what should scare everybody Wow, yeah, it is scary Hey House, thank you so much uh for your call and your input because Thank you, House. I don't I don't know about the libertarian uh deal because I think that the base of the uh the uh Republican Party is the evangelical fundamentalists uh being pushed and financed by the Koch brothers. Um, Koch Brothers are libertarians, though. Evangelicals are still there, no doubt. But uh, Koch Brothers are libertarians, and Koch Brothers got more money than the evangelicals could ever think about. Well, well, you know they—they, you know the Koch Brothers have been driving this uh, creepy bus now for some time. So uh, 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 the uh, the same type of figures seem to be in rotation uh, in this political soup. Uh, 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 okay. Be it whoever they are, it's like they just passed the baton. It's very incestuous. It's a very, it's a very tight, um, super wealthy uh, network. And you know, be it the Koch brothers or you know who, whoever else wants to be in the news cycle for uh, a day or so, uh, it seems to be quite politically incestuous. And 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 we just seem to hear the same. The same people and entities and that sort of thing. Uh, 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 the bottom line is the engagement and will people do what's necessary to sacrifice their time to uh, get engaged and uh, galvanize others to do the same. Let me say this about uh, Paul Ryan and his attack on Medicare. He has solicited the help of Democratic uh, Senator Ron White. And they yeah. will hold that up as some type of uh, 
uh, validation that is somehow bipartisan. And the progressive liberal movement must push back on Ron White. I say Blanche Lincoln his ass. And that simply says primary him. If you lose to him in the primary, make sure the Republicans win that seat, but get him out. Ron Wyden. And you know what, Alpha? When Senator Wyden, when Senator Wyden went public with that alignment, he should have been called out much more. He should have been scrubbed down exactly. and exactly. examined, and 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 that should have been a much bigger um, um, uh, news story, uh, and it should have had legs because oh, we knew that there was, that this was going to come, and that they were going to you know, uh, flag widen as their uh, uh, bipartisan cover, if you will. Yeah, but he's not yeah. up for re-election. He's not up for re-election for two more years, and I think that that should be the incentive to go after him right now because mm-hmm. they're going to use him. And I don't think he understands the, um, the, the scar he has placed on the progressive liberal movement. I don't care right. what he has done for progressives and liberals to this point in his entire career. He has Mm -hmm. sullied it. He is like the Joe Paterno in the Democratic Party right now. Well, we Mm -hmm. we want to thank uh, House Music Glover for for his his call from Chicago. But one of the things, folks, uh, India and Alpha, that it occurred to me that given the dismal performance of Mitt Romney, that the Republican Party, because, you know, the candidate, as much as they want to say it, the candidate doesn't decide who's going to be the running mate. It's the power brokers within the Republican Party that yay or nay the running mate. And I think that they're trying to throw Mitt Romney a lifeline that will work or not work. I think that... These folks have decided that Mitt's not gonna make it. Well, even well, even well, even Mitt himself referred to Ryan as the president. Right. (laughs) So you might be more right than even you realize. Mitt Ryan is one of those people who would mess up a wet dream. I mean, it's just it is just the ad was created. He created the Democratic ad when he came back and said, put his arm around Ryan and said, I've been known to make mistakes, and that's all you need. When you talk about splicing, that is the ad. I've been known to make make mistakes. He also added, Uh I'm not talking about this guy. Well, you had already put your foot in your mouth. Uh And since since we didn't build that, then it should be, I've been known to make mistakes. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Drumbeat have to be beaten on his taxes, his tax avoidance, son of boss, the Italian scheme that Bain left without paying taxes. I think that the tax question must continue, and the question has to be asked, how many years did Ryan put up? The whole nine yards. I see you're running out of time here, Janice. So yeah, I, I I am, and I really appreciate that both of you. You can hear 
Alpha on the Alpha Show on Friday nights, 10 p.m. at TruthWorks Network. And India Declare declares it real raw and right now, every Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. here at Blog Talk Radio. And see, this is why I think that all of you have to appreciate the kind of information, the kind of insight that you can find in independent um, media. And I really do uh, appreciate so much, India and Alpha, you're taking the time out to kind of discuss this. Because, you know, some of this stuff's going to put our world up end. Yes. You know, Janice, um, um, first of all, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, uh, Alpha, and thank you, Janice, um, uh, for uh, for the slice of your time. Um, I'll just say this. Uh, ladies and gentlemen out there within the realm of our voices, uh, if you um, have not been uh, necessarily um, assertive, aggressive, or proactive in your political engagement, um, this is the time to reset that mindset. That's right. And That's right. Because it is your life, livelihood, yep. uh, uh, and homestead, literally, yep. literally, yep. and tangibly, That's right. uh, That's is right. uh, in the balance. Ms. Jen Scram, yep. thank you so very much. I'll see you guys Monday morning. 11 a.m. Eastern Time Live. Thanks again, Janice. I appreciate it. Ms. India Declare of I Declare Media. Um, I Declare Show Monday through Friday, 11 a.m., and the Alpha Show at 10 p.m. on Friday night. It's just damn politics Friday night at TruthWorks Network. And don't forget to join us on Wednesday for Soul of Fire. I'm Janice Graham. We thank the Don from Oklahoma for his call and House Music Lover for your call, and we certainly thank Kali Akuno for joining us tonight. I'm Janice Graham, speaking truth to power and ourselves. You've been tuned to Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. And don't forget, here, Our Common Ground, each Saturday, 10 p.m., speaking truth to power and ourselves. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Have a great weekend. Here at Our Common Ground, next Saturday, Dr. Raymond Wimbush talking about Mumia.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.